Welcome back to the Anti-Bully Podcast. Detlin, how you doing, my man? Brother, it is uh, it's long time no speak. It's fantastic. It's good to be. It's good to be here. Good to be here. It is. And today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We've been speaking uh, since the start, basically, that we want to make some milestone episodes. So episode 10, being one of our biggest milestones so far, is going to be about you. It is. Um, how daunting and exciting all at the same time. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely excited. I, I bet it is daunting. I will probably run mine episode 20. Uh, but this is something that uh, I know that you want to get out there as well because it's been a, a, a bit of a year for you. 2022, let's put it um, into perspective, hasn't been the easiest but probably made you more resilient. Um, and we'll, we'll probably talk about that later on in the episode. Uh, the first few things and the way I want to kick it off is, Detlin, who was your biggest inspiration growing up? Man, you're stealing, stealing my thunder. Stole your content, bro. Stole your content. You're going to have to start asking the guests these questions as well. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Nah, man. Honestly, growing up, and I hate to be that that cliche thing that we get a lot with our with our, a lot of our guests is um, is obviously I'm going to say someone from my family, but uh, my pa was actually a huge inspiration to me. I I think me being his first grandchild of now eleven. I was, you know, we, we connected really quickly. Um, he was still obviously a lot younger. Um, I think he was, I think he was in his late fifties or probably early sixties when I was born. So still fit enough to do stuff with, with your, with um, your grandchild, I suppose. Now he's, he's getting on, he's um, getting closer to 80. Um, but yeah, so he was definitely a big inspiration to me. It actually wasn't until... Man, it probably wasn't until I was an adult until I actually saw him cry. So, like, you know, obviously that's super old-fashioned of the whole, you know, men don't cry thing. And he is a very old-fashioned man. But, um, yeah, he, he's obviously taught me a lot growing up and how to, you know, treat people and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'd, I'd have to say pa to, uh, to, you know, early stages of my life. Shout out to you, pa. What's, what's pa's name? He is Ken or Kenneth. Kenneth. So, Kenneth, what was what was his vulnerable moment that he had? If you don't mind me asking, was it a certain moment in time? Was it a losing a loved one? What was what was his uh, vulnerability to to show you that you know that that sign, which is definitely not weakness, but that vulnerability. Um, it's actually funny story. It was actually I got it's it's you know no, it's actually covered up now, but I actually got pa tattooed on my ankle. Um, many many years ago. Yeah. And uh, it was when I showed him that. Oh, dude! And you yeah. and you covered it up. That just gave me a tear. No, <laughs> I have. Um, I actually ended up getting his birth year tattooed on my fingers. So, um, yeah, it just um, when I when I got it, I didn't have. It was one of those moments where you're young and you just get tattoos sort of everywhere, but now, yeah. but then they get in the way of what you want to do further on. So, um. Yeah, it was it was kind it was quite big on the side of my ankle, and I needed yeah, like I said, I I, I ended up having to cover it, but um, but yeah, like I said, I ended up getting his birth year tattooed on my fingers, and there definitely wasn't a second tier for the birth year. Uh oh, look, I um, he it's 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 crazy because now that I know like how vulnerable he can be, um, I've since seen him tear up a few times, um. 
but yeah, he, like I said, it was a, yeah, when I showed him that as well, he was uh, obviously emotional, not probably not as much as the first one. I don't even know if he knows if I've covered it or not, but, um, or if he even remembers that I got it, but, um, but yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. Bless man. I, I've got a few tattoos for my family members, including uh, a big, a big piece on my leg. I don't know. Was yours on your right leg or left leg? My, my grandpa's actually tattooed on my right calf. Uh, left left leg for me, um, left. but I've actually on my right calf. I've got a portrait of my mum. So, oh nice, dude. You sound. We've spoken about our values before. I've actually got my whole family tattooed on my back. My grandpa, my 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 opa. He's he's the only one I got tattooed that's not on my back. That's actually on my leg, and he was the first tattoo that I got on my family. Um, and then yeah, the the rest of them are. It's actually a bit of a circus theme to tell you the truth. But my own mama. His wife, my grandma, the centerpiece, and then I got my mum and dad, and yeah, it's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty different. I'll have to show you when I when we catch up, but yeah, it definitely shows how much our families have influenced our lives and how much they mean to us. Uh, kicking over a gear, um, what are the three things that you're grateful for at the end of two thousand and twenty two, and what is a goal of yours for two thousand and twenty three? Oh, see, uh, I mean, I could give you a list of probably 10 things that I'm grateful for uh, that I'm sorry, the 10 things that I want to you know, achieve next year, but I could probably only give you a very small list of the things that I'm grateful for for this year. Um, as you know, as you and I have spoken about a lot, just being yeah, such a hard year for, for me personally, both professionally and and personally. But um, yeah, grateful for obviously uh, for starters, my dog, Archie, he's um He's like as as much as it is again cliche to say that you know they're a man's best friend. Like without him, I would have been like probably still stuck in a rut from from such a shitty year that I've had uh, this year. Um, owe a lot to that boy. Um, my partner, um, she's been awesome and supportive over, over the over the short period that we've actually been together. So um, she's she's been awesome. Um, and for obviously family and friends. Um, cause again, without, without them over the, over the last 12 months, I probably, again, would still just be stuck in a rut, man. So, um, yeah, hundred percent. And obviously you're included in, in that friendship group and family group. So yeah, um, we, that's definitely we, the three things that I'm grateful for. We definitely talk on the reg these days and, and I do appreciate you saying that it's a very powerful thing. Uh, family, you, you know, your, your dog, I mean, they, as you said, man's best friend, they become like a sibling or a kid in a way and, and, your, and your partner. Um, it just shows you, you value people and good people in your life more than anything else, which, which I massive credit to you, man. That's, that's massive. Yeah, man. Well, like I said, it's, it's, um, I, I think if there's anything that I've learned from this year is that, you know, quality over quantity for starters, which I've known for a long time, but it really goes to show who, who you can really look out for who will help lift you in, in such, you know, crappy moments in life. And like, you know, as, as you said, we talk pretty regularly, you know, a fair bit about some of the struggles that I've had this year. And, um, and yeah, like I said, it's just, it's, it's always, it's something that I've learned a lot more this year. Like I've always been that guy of, yep, men should be able to speak about their feelings and so on and so forth. But this year I've really, uh, open my eyes to me personally needing to do that, um, which has been huge for me because I'm not someone who likes to feel vulnerable. I don't like um, 
feeling like I'm not in control, um, which hence why I own my own business because, you know, I'm not in control of working for someone, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, man, like I said, that's that's definitely been the three big points of this year. And I know, again, it's probably super cliche to say, but it really is the truth. Like, you know, if there, this year has really taught me a lot about, you know, who, what, what, like the people around you and what you surround yourself with and, and so on. It's true, man. I, I couldn't agree with you anymore, you know, when it comes to who you align yourself with. The, the benefits are so rewarding when you're with people you trust, they trust you and you can open up, be vulnerable, which is, it is hard. I'm, I'm really teaching myself and trying to learn and adapt um, new ways. Uh, my wife and I have actually been talking about being more vulnerable with each other, which is something that we've not really done. Uh, my wife was on a time a single mother before um, I came along. That's how you obviously met Hart, my stepson, and who's a part of this show just as much as you and I. And um, you know, if not the main part of this show, if, if not the main part, that's right. But mate, you sent me a photo or video today with his with his with his kid off, like with no shirt on, because he was about to put on a new shirt that I gave him. But um, he, did, he loved it. I mean, bro, like that guy's ripped as ripped as hell. He's he's ready for Hawthorne now. If, if he, you ask me. He's definitely ready. He's put in a preseason, and uh, the the gym that I go to, they're going to allow him in April to start lifting weights. Um, I, do you remember the podcast that we did not too long ago um, about a young fella that joined the military and joined the gym really young? I do. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Hart's taken massive inspiration from from that podcast, and he's uh, wholeheartedly ready to rock and roll in the weights department and put on some size, not just have a shredded body, but put on a bit of muscle as well. So he's excited for what's to come. Uh, but thank you so much. Yeah, Detlin sent uh, Hart and I a T-shirt uh, from his new drop, and it's absolutely insane. I'm going to do a little story for you that I'll send through tomorrow, and uh, hopefully you'll like it. And love the socks. Hart actually, he said to me, he goes, these, these are some of the most socks i've ever worn oh bro they're the can... honestly they're the best things like everyone who has bought a pair has has said exactly that and we all say that like i i as much as like getting behind your own product is just to sell it but bro like i like me and me and tay wear our socks every day they're the, the most comfiest things ever my missus she got two pairs and then like was ringing me like the next day being like yo you need it you need to bring more home well, that's why I'm calling. That's why I'm. I tried to call you today, man. I thought I need another pair of socks. Like I've only got one day, two days out of them, and that's it. I, I need a yeah. whole wardrobe. I need seven days. Oh no, I'm telling you, man. They're 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 really good. So I'm I'm glad that Hart feels the same way. Oh, first thing you said when he put them on, he goes, "How comfortable are these?" Put me to shame. Um, now, quick one. What is a goal of yours that you can set for 2023? What is one thing that you have your heart set on that you want to achieve? Obviously, the real the the real big one is to is to grow the business more, um, to further um, the tattoo shop. Um, obviously, next year Tay and I have a pretty pretty busy traveling schedule, but you know, whilst doing that, I still want to continue growing the business back home with all our guys who work for us. Um, so yeah, we're going to really put in the work uh, in the new year for for that. So yeah, that's definitely like I want to I want to you know, come to this time next year and go, wow, like, you know, 2022 sucked, but 2023 really like, you know, made it what it was. Like it's, we had a good year. So that's, that's definitely the main goal for, for the new year. Awesome, dude. I, I appreciate you being so honest as well. Cause it's, it, it's a grind. Every time you set a goal, 
just do not be disheartened one particular week or one particular month because you got 12 months, 52 weeks to make 2023 great. So just keep on the up. Give me a call. Send me a message if you ever need, bro, because we always need that little pick-me-up from time to time. Uh, Absolutely. And and it's a slow grind anyway. Like we're, we're not expecting to to you know double our profits overnight you know what i mean like it's it's um yeah it's a slow grind like oh you know what we might not even be where i want to be at in come you know june you know halfway through the year but um but obviously then we've still got that that last six months to to really push hard so yeah like i said it's it's a big goal um but i think we can achieve it so it'll be it's exciting Definitely, man. You guys have got some big things in the works and we've spoken about a bit of a collab happening between Deadmine and Wilder House, which I'm pretty excited about. And even the, the Anti-Bully Club with what we're doing as well and some of the programs that we that we want to introduce to people. So, uh, yeah, bring on 2023. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm, man. I'm, let's let's get it done. Now, let's dive into Detlin's childhood. Let's go into a bit of a deep dive. Tell us a little bit of a background of you starting school, or you can even start earlier. Just take us to a place. Give us a little bit of a description that describes what you remember Detlin as a six-year-old. Oh, man. Um, well, for starters, like I was a, like growing up like pre, pre-primary school, for example, like I was always a uh, an early achiever, if that makes sense. So like I was walking and running and all that stuff, like real early, um, which means like come say kindergarten and stuff when you're supposed to, or got it, like, you know, whatever crèche or whatever it is when you're supposed to still be having naps and all that sort of stuff. I, I wasn't doing that. So I actually got booted from my first kindergarten. Um, cause I wouldn't sit still. Um, they couldn't handle you. No, they couldn't handle me. I was just too much, which, says a lot about me long-term. Like oh, I can be a bit much for some people because I'm so like high energy sometimes, but you know, that's um, as, as a lot of our listeners would know, you know, I'm, I'm always quick with uh, my smart ass remarks. <laughs> um, but yeah, but come, come primary school, um, funny story, actually day one of primary school, I came home with a black eye um, after I got into a fight with uh, a young man named Jordan. Um, and you can say Jordan because you and Jordan are actually mates now. We are, yes. Um, shout out to Jordan. So yeah, day one of primary school, um, we got in a. a I don't even I, honestly, I couldn't even truly tell you what happened. Um, I just know that I got a black eye, um, and I remember going home and telling my uncle who lived with me at the time that um, I couldn't punch him because my uncle's thing was always if you were ever gonna in a situation, punch him between the eyes. Um, which is a terrible advice to give a six-year-old, but. Hey, but I remember coming home and saying I couldn't do it because he wore glasses, um, which I suppose is the niceness in me because, you know, I don't want to break the young man's glasses. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, two days later, um, we became best friends um, and pretty much did prime school together. So I left that prime school um, at the end of grade two or halfway through grade two, I think, and then came back to that uh, prime school again for grade five and six. Um, and, yeah, we still talk every day. He actually lives up we're up near you but uh nowadays but um and he's actually starting his own like uh like fitness apparel um which you know if i was a bit more in shape uh i'm sure he would ask me to model for him but um i'm not quite there yet <laughs> shout out to jordan and uh, he's um no nah, like i said he's he's been a good friend and we all we, we talk not all the time but fairly regularly um just about you know 
you know, life and how everyone's, how each other are doing and stuff. And like, like I said, we were like inseparable in primary school um, after obviously the black eye, but um, yeah, it's always crazy how, how kids can do that though. Um, in those situations, like, you know, got into a fight, but yet two days later, it was like it never happened. And then, like I said, we were, uh, I used to have to walk past his house every day on the way home. And I used to just go in there and my mum used to just ring his mum and be like, is Detlin there? And she'd be like, yep. Do you need to speak to him? Mum would be like, nah, all good. Just needed to know where he was. So, um, yeah, that was always really funny. Yeah. And that's a good relationship to have. And it's awesome that your mum could just call up the, back then we'll just put it in the home phone. Hey, no such thing as mobile phones. No, well, that's it. It was always, always the home phone. Um, but yeah, so we did, yeah, did, did all that. So, um, that was pretty much primary school. Um, do you remember, apart from the black eye, do you remember a time where you felt vulnerable or you felt like you were ganged up on, or there's a certain teacher that didn't like how full on you were? Is there any situations you can, I know high school was, it was a bit more harder for you, but tell us about an experience that you can remember in primary school. Yeah, no, honestly, primary school um, sort of bullying for me didn't really start happening until until grade five and six. Yeah. Um, reason being is I was the easy target um, in the sense of like it wasn't that I – because I was still pretty athletic. Like I was, I, was, I was a scrawny kid. I was short. But like those sorts of things weren't – didn't matter when I was in primary school. I think it was more that – I would give the best, you know, someone would give like bully me or whatever. And I'd be that one to either cry or, you know, feel like I'm the target. So like I said, I was just the easy kid to, to pick on yeah. um, in those times. Um, as for a teacher thinking that I was, I was full on um, that, that all started in year seven, um, which is a funny story. Cause um, when you start year seven, uh, I think the first couple of weeks in, you we did like some parent day or like night where basically the parents come, uh, meet the teacher and all that sort of stuff. Um, and turns out, so my dad or my stepdad, I should say, uh, rocked up with my mom, all was good. And he took one look at my year seven teacher who, mind you, I had for two years straight for like English, um, a home group and like one of my other classes, um, humanities, I think it was. And I had those classes every day for two years. So I had this teacher, I saw this teacher every day of my school life for two years straight. Um, dad takes one look at her and goes, I know you. And turns out that back in the old days when my dad was in also in year seven, my teacher was his teacher. Wow. All yeah. right. Crazy. Um, and I'll never forget it because um, I remember getting in the car and I go, what kind of kid would you like when you were my age with that teacher? And he goes, oh, mate, I was a pain in the ass. Like I was, I was such a smart ass. Like she did not like me. Um, and she remembered that because I can tell you right now the next two years of my, lo- of my life in high school – were hell when it came to that teacher. Yeah, so she held that grudge for so long. Yeah, yeah. Um, like you stepdad. Yeah, that's it. I mean, look, uh, the, like they didn't know the full relation. Like obviously, like pretty much, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into further further down this little podcast, but he's been my dad for, you know, the longest time. So 
basically no one knew that he was just my stepdad. He just knew yeah. my dad. So yeah, she, um, she was not good to me. Like it was one of those situations where say you and I were in class, if something went wrong, it was my fault. Like, and I mean, look, it probably wasn't like looking back on it. I'm like, you know, you like I was a 12, 13, 14 year old kid. I was probably just playing the victim. Um, yeah and no. I mean, there's reasons why you feel like that. It may not be as extreme as you imagined as a kid, but you felt it for whatever reason. So it must have been something. Yeah, well, that's it. Exactly right. So who 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 really knows? But it's if I was to honestly go back in time and be a fly on the wall, I'd probably be sitting there going, "Man, I'd want to punch me." But like, <laughs> but like you know, because I, I wasn't like. I'm not going to tell you that I was a saint because I definitely wasn't like I had my moments, but I, I guess I, I suppose that probably also didn't help. Like she's probably going, right. He's, he's got an attitude because his dad had an attitude. And now, you know, if something goes wrong, it's probably because he's got, he's being a smart ass in class or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, you're young, you do stupid stuff and you move like I'm an adult now and then I can look back and go, you know, you're a bit of an idiot. Reflection is a good thing, bro, especially when you can look back on these moments and stuff. I just find it real funny that your stepdad had the same teacher. And, uh, and oh, it's just so him. crazy. And, I mean, like, the school that he went to is uh, is no longer around. Um, I suppose my school was the closest to where his school was. But, like, yeah. But my school was, um, wasn't was the best school. Um, not for anything necessarily bad. Like, I suppose the biggest – well, the worst rep it had was that it was pretty. It was a pretty poor school. Like it didn't have a lot of money. It does now, um, man? Does it now? Like it's got some cool stuff in their school now. But when I went, like we we're on the news for uh, for um, for basically just not having money. So um, yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Can you tell me a little bit of that scenario? What were you on the news for exactly? So basically, a lot of the the classrooms were falling apart. Like none of the doors worked properly and stuff. And um, we didn't have we didn't have heaters in the in the classrooms, um, so we were on the news for basically requiring money to basically put split systems in the in the uh, classroom so that the, the kids and the teachers weren't so cold. Um, so what they what the new I can't remember I think it was Channel Seven or something, but basically what they got us to do is they got a group of us um, to stand outside, huddled up together, and pretend to shiver. Pretend to shiver. And how old are you? Oh, you know, you're like 15, 16. I think uh, I, I was around when it was on. I think I must have been in like, must have been like year nine. No, I would have been year 10, I think. I was, it would have been year 10. So what are you, 15, 16, I think. Um, yeah, old enough to know better. Old enough to know that like, you know, it's, it's, you're like, why are you getting us to do this? Like, it's cold, but maybe just, you know, just film that we're, we're poor. Like, you don't have to like. Yeah, make us it. pretend to do so it, it was so silly but anyway um that was always a laugh and like our school was like mind you it was a public school but they were so strict on presentation um which you know i i get um for the most part but there was like certain things that you just like you know it is just certain things that i feel like you should just let go like we were only allowed to wear white socks that did not have any markings on them um, certain school shoes and, you know, you, you, you had to look super um, 
respectful. I remember rocking up to school one day with a hat on um, outside the school grounds and the vice principal drove past. And then that morning got called to the office to hand in my hat. Yeah, I, I do. I do remember similar circumstances. They do. They do push a lot of the uniform and a set way you got to dress in high school. I've never quite understood the concept, but I'm sure they've done it for good reason. I'm just not 100 percent what that reason is. Well, yeah. So I mean, looking on it now, um, I get the presentation side of it, but also growing up as like the different kid. You know, I went through that. Um, emo slash scene phase whatever you want to call it um where i had the long black hair i had the piercings i stretched my ears i did all of these things but like as that kid and even as that kid now you know now i've got you know all the tattoos and and and, you know i dress like this or i dress like that and and i look at it now and i'm like man like schools really should push creative um freedom in how they want to present themselves um and like, I get it. Like you need to be somewhat responsible and respectful of, of rules and, and how, how they want to pre that school wants to be presented or that workplace or whatever. But I mean, you know, like there's certain aspects of trying to teach a kid that, Hey, you can be whoever you want to be as long as you don't do this, 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 and this. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, and you talk about this, this emo phase or, you know, I, I, I'm more looking at it, even with your shirt that you have at the moment, it's more, it reminds me of like a really heavy mental band or someone that plays some really intense music with a, a massive drum kit. Uh, you've got your electric guitar going off. Um, t- tell us about this stage. Was this because you associated yourself with bands that you were listening to? Were you a part of a band? Was there a group of people at school that you were mates with that were into that sort of stuff? What sort of drove you into that sort of scene? I mean, the actual scene phase, I think, came from, because, well, yeah, you're right. Um, my, so I was, or I guess I still am, but not really, but I was a musician, um, which I started around year nine when we first started music class. Um, I had some friends who played guitar um, and basically from then on, we actually created a band and, and did some cool stuff as that high school band, so to speak. But like, yeah, so basically it came from one day I was um, up at say about nine o'clock, I think back in those days. And um, they used to have V music um, on, on Foxtel. Um, and from nine o'clock onwards, they would play some more alternative music. Um, and bullet for my Valentine's waking the demon came on and the music video, um, really captured me. It was, don't get me wrong. Like looking at it now, it's like, wow, you know, this is shit, but like <laughs> the music at, but, and like the, the cool choruses, but still the heavy guitars. And, and there was a bit of screaming in that song. And that song actually was like, oh, that really got me into, into that heavier music. Um, from then on, I got into Slipknot. Um, and then from there, we, you know, a few of my friends that we, like I said, we started a band together, um, got me into things like Parkway Drive and, and, and those sorts of bands. And then it just kept growing from there. So, yeah, um, that's, that phase definitely came from, obviously, the music I listened to. Um, and I suppose on top of that being that young kid going through puberty and, you know, being the different kid and thinking that the world's against me and all that, all that crap. Like I was that kid of, you know, Oh, you know, I'm the victim here and, 
and so on. But um, but yeah, like that's where that all started. Um, obviously, yeah, the music I listened to, and don't get me wrong, I still listen to a lot of that um, music now. But obviously, I've just grown up a little bit and and changed my style. And and you changed your appearance a little bit as well. When when you talk about growing up. Um, how was your, I know that you've got a massive respect for your stepfather, but how was that role that he t- took on going through puberty, high school, you know, the, the, the bullies, your emotions, everything, man. Cause you, you were going through a lot of stuff that's quite personal and it's hard to open up to someone. Did you find him or your mum a massive support that you could talk to about this stuff or was it a bit awkward? Oh God, no. Um, so now, um, with my relationship with my stepdad is fantastic. Um, I call him all the time. If I need help with something, if I need to borrow something, if, you know, all of that stuff, I always, you know, I call him. Um, most of the time it's because he's more likely to answer his, answer his phone over my mum. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, um, oh, he's ne- like now we've got the best relationship. Um, during high school, um, especially going through puberty, um, I spent a lot of time growing up without any sort of father figure in my life. Um, so therefore my mum was, was took on that role and my mum's a very, um, cruisy kind of, kind of parent, like in the sense of like, as long as you're not doing something stupid, like nine times out of 10, she's like, yep, cool. No worries. Call me if you need me, all that sort of stuff. So mum was always like super like trusting of, of my brother and I. Um, so yeah, as soon as like I started going through that, you know, obviously those changes as uh, of turning into a man, as they say, and uh, you know, I started um, going through puberty and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, being told no was like, you know, it was that was it was on. Like me and my um, my stepdad far out. Like I remember, I can distinctly remember one time where like, man, I thought he was gonna. Th- he he told me. Um, Cause I stupid me, I was like pointing at his chest, like, you know, like yelling at him, like, well, going at it. And I remember him saying to me being like, you are the first person who's ever done that to me that I haven't thrown through a wall. Like he was like, he's going to kill me. And I, and I felt that, but I stood my ground. I, I remember that fight. Like it was yesterday. It was like such a big, big fight. Um, and yeah, like, and it was over nothing. Like I'm pretty sure my mom told me I couldn't do something. So I cracked the shits. Like it was just. It was just so, like, little, but yet being a teenager, your dad's, you know, you know your father figure or, you know, your father, um, you know, your dad of whatever, you know, your stepdad comes in and is, is now telling you that you can't do something. You're like, oh, who, who do you think you are sort of, sort of shit? And really, like, you know, he was putting a roof over my head. He was feeding me. He was putting me through school. Like I said, we, we, as we just said before, you know, we're growing up. I grew up and now I, I see what he did and what he meant when he's, you know, saying these things or doing these things. Um, but, yeah, so growing up, like, he and I had our great moments but also had some really crappy moments as well. And when you talk about the crappy moments, are they crappy moments because you reflect on the way you treated him or was it his reaction to the way you did something or you treated or you spoke to your mum? Uh, it's, it's a, it's a mix of both. I mean, to his credit, like dude came into our life, like mind you, I was a lot younger, but dude came into our life with no fatherly experience. Like didn't have his own kids. 
um, and just got dumped with two, if you know what I mean. So, you know, he was going through a change in his lifestyle whilst we were going through a change in our lifestyle. You know, all of a sudden we've got this father figure that we've never had before basically telling us we can and can't do stuff. And then at the same time, he's having two kids or, you know, in this case, one kid talking back to him um, when he's never had that before that isn't like in a pub where you're going to punch on or, 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 or anything like that, like had never been in that situation before. So it's a real big mix of both. Like, yeah, like it was me being like, no, you're not my real dad and like all that crap. But at the same time, like, he was going through like, holy shit, like what do I say to this kid that's technically not mine, but I'm also trying to bring up at the same time because he hasn't had a father figure his whole life. Yeah, man, it's an interesting concept, the whole far stepfather role. And I'm presuming it will be a, a whole new concept for like even the stepson as well. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah, like it's such a weird experience, I think, for, for both parties depending on uh, on obviously like different story if if my stepdad had had his own kids and sort and they might have either grown up or they're the same age and he's and he sort of understood being a dad but um yeah like uh, you know as you know you've got three of your own you there's no book on how to be a dad or there's no book on how to be a good parent or a bad or you know there's no there's no rules or anything like that it's just you get thrown in the deep end. You're just expected to raise a child. Um, whereas he didn't necessarily ask for it. He just got dumped with two of them and then was told, Hey, help me raise children. And how old were you and your brother when he first came into your lives? I'm curious because I'll, I'll talk about my stepfather role um, briefly. I just want to touch on, I never wanted to be, and my podcast is definitely not today's show. <laughs> We're going to do mine, as I said, down the track. But I never wanted to be a father. I never wanted to be a, a parent, um, have responsibilities of, of kids um, until I was a stepson of my wife and things changed. My stepson was six. He was turning seven. Massive life-changing um, scenario for me. And as you said, there's no book on it. There's no step-by-step guide on how it should be or how, you know, the, the, the child's going to be with you. It's, it's a massive learning curve. Um, tell me a little bit about your relationship with your brother when it came to having a step um, a stepfather. And also, I believe you've got some younger siblings as well that your stepfather now has. Yeah, so... How is your relationship with your, with, with, with your siblings? Oh, my, like the, like my two brothers are my best mates. Um, my, the, the one in the, like, so I'm the oldest, um, of three. Um, the middle one is two years younger than me. So I'll be 28 next year. He will be 26. Yeah. Um, he and I, um, are like very different. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, like I said, he, he's, he's my best mate. Um, obviously growing up together, no, like. You know, we've always, like, we live two minutes away from each other now, um, now that we're out of home. Um, we, I've, I've conned him into being a part of the bowling team um, on every Wednesday night. Yeah, you um, him in a picture of wearing a Wilder Hash shirt the other day. I did, I did enjoy that moment. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, obviously, like, growing up, like, even when we were living at home, like, used to just walk into my bedroom and steal half my clothes because we were like, he's, he's a bit bigger than me now, like, which is terrible. He's taller than me and better looking than me and fitter than me and 
all that fun stuff. But um, yeah, it was super different. But as I said, um, we're yeah, we're he's he's my best friend. Um, the younger one, he's fourteen now. He is also taller than me. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that sucks these days. It's only been the last sort of like year or so that he's just decided to shoot up. But man, he's tall. Like, mind you, I'm not that tall, but yeah, he's 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 hitting it pretty good. Um, yeah, he's he's a lot like me. Um, like a lot like me. Super loud. Doesn't shut up. Um. Yeah, he and I are a lot alike, but even still, like, I remember when he was first having girl problems in school, and I'm, I hope he doesn't actually listen to this because he'll probably get embarrassed. But, uh, yeah, he rang me. He wanted to talk about girls with me. And, like, my dad is, like, the most protective person you've ever met in your life, like, about everyone, like, all of us. So me, my two brothers and my mom, like, if something went wrong, like, he is, like, what the hell's going on? And I remember my youngest brother asking um, my mum, if he, if she could text me to call him, um, cause he needed to talk to me. And yeah. then I remember coming over one night and like my dad pulling me aside, being giving me like that serious look, you know what I mean? Being like, is he okay? Like what's going on? And I just said, I, I didn't say anything. I remember just being like, no, no, he's fine. Don't stress. It's, it's brother stuff, you know? That's good, bro. I, I... I bet he appreciates that. And I know you said that you hope he's not listening to it, but in a way I hope he is because that's the stuff that we do when you're an older brother or, you you know, you've got, you know, a step or a half brother or sister, you, you look out for one another. And we all went through some shit when we were younger. Uh, you're in the same boat, I'm sure. So something that I'm sure he's proud of when it comes to the relationship that he has with you and, and same as your stepfather who, you know, I'm sure he's oh. proud. My dad, um, all the time, will say to both my the middle one, like my other brother and I, that he's just he's so happy that we are so close with him, as in our youngest brother. But yeah, um, yeah I don't look at it as a, as a half brother or a step brother, or he's not a step brother. But you know, I don't look at him as a half brother um, or anything like that because I think so. I was I was similar age to heart when when my stepdad came along. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's crazy because my brother, so the middle one's Mitchell. Um, he and I um, were very different on how we approached, I don't know, like a, 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 a male coming into our life. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, not that my mum was like introducing us to a lot of dudes because um, my mum's super like, I'm a mum. If, you, if you're meeting my kids... Like it could be serious. Um, if you're not interested, then you can basically get lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, kids come. yeah, my kids come first always. Yeah. Um, and oh, I, I've, I told a dude once, um, that like he asked me, he goes, how do you feel about me dating your mum?" And I remember, and I don't fully remember it, but my mum says that like, I was straight, straight shooting in this moment. I was like, absolutely not. No chance. I love that. And what, what a, what I want to say the word, what a dick for even asking that so early on in the relationship with your mum and with you and your brother, that is a very rookie error on his end. I don't know if that's something that's egotistic or if he was curious or why the hell he had to feel the need to ask that question. But for any step parent, father, mother, or anyone that's starting to date someone that's got a child, that is not a question that they want you to hear. 
if you say to him, I'm glad that you're seeing my mum or I'm glad you're seeing my dad, take that as a compliment. But you do not have the right to ask that question. That is ridiculous. Yeah, I was. I mean, look, I, I, I remember him asking, but I don't fully remember the response. But I do um, remember that it wasn't positive because he and I didn't quite get along um, at all. Because um, I'd always been super standoffish with any man that sort of came into the into our life. Like, where, even if it wasn't someone that my mum was dating, um, as I said, she didn't date a lot because she was super busy. She was working really late nights uh, for my brother and I. Um, just so you know, I, like a lot of the time that I, I was left to look after my little brother um, at a young age. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like a lot of like whoever came into our life, super standoffish. My brother was a bit more uh, open armed in a way. Um, yeah. But my brother's was always super easy going, like super easy to please, like sit him on the couch with a movie and he's, he was good. Whereas I was a fidgeter, which I think um, was harder for any guy coming into, into our life, including my actual dad. So I was super hard to, to deal with because I didn't want to just sit around and do nothing. I always wanted to do stuff growing up. Whereas my brother was a bit different. Um, now it's probably, we've probably switched that role. I love sitting at home and he was probably more of the, the outgoing one, but um, yeah. So then when my stepdad came along, um, yeah, like I said, I was probably no, not much older than Hart, like at all. Like I was probably the same age, maybe a, a year older um, when he came in. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget like, meeting him um my brother and i were sitting in the lounge room um in this house that my mum was renting and um yeah she basically said that we're going to meet this guy that she'd been seeing and that she's she likes and stuff like that and um obviously she had said because i'll I'll get into it a bit later but my mum and i are super close like she tells me everything um but she had said um to him that hey look if my kids don't like you like that's it like when that like when we're ending the relationship um and uh yeah she i'll never forget it he basically i heard him come in he walked up the hallway to the lounge room my mum basically said this is detlin and this is mitchell and this is this is scott is my stepdad and he went hey boys how you going and we both just looked off the tv looked at him and went hey and then just look back at the TV. Like it was just, <laughs> there was just nothing. Um, yeah. It was such a like funny moment because like we gave him donuts, like we gave him absolutely nothing. Um, but then, yeah, I remember I came out because mum had told me that he's, he was a big Simpsons fan and uh, I'm a big Simpsons fan. Um so yeah, I like went out. And we we chatted about the Simpsons and stuff like that, and we chatted about sports and 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 things. But um, but yeah, that was uh, like funniest moment because yeah, it was just we gave him nothing. But uh, you know, I think they just celebrated fourteen years married this year. Oh, so good. thirteen years married, thirteen or fourteen years married. Hang on, no, fourteen because they got married the same year my little brother was born. So yeah, fourteen years married. Um just this this past october so obviously he uh he did something right yeah yeah obviously and and it is a hard moment the the moment of truth when you when you meet the kids it's a big it's a big moment for him as you said he's got no 
no guidelines, no textbook. There's no pre-script. It's just you got to rock up, you got to wing it, and you pray, you pray that the kids are going to like you. So, well, it's also also getting told the heads up that um, if if the kids don't like you, you're then, done. Then we're done, and you're you'd, you'd want to hope that like, because then what do you do? Like you're like I don't know anything about these kids apart from what you've told me. Yeah, I need to be able to get them to like me. Like I was like, man. Like looking back on it now, um, being an adult, like if I was to meet someone who had a child and was like, hey, like my kid needs to like you, like it's pretty daunting. And yeah, like daunting. I said, having no fatherly experience, like being a fa- like dad experience, like I was, yeah, like good on him. Good on him. I, I agree, mate. I agree. Now let's, let's, Scott, I hope if you're listening, terrific epic, mate. You've done well and you've raised some beautiful kids. Um, oh, he's actually fun fact. Actually, while we're here, he's the first male to ever tell me he's he's proud of me. Well, there you go. That's that's huge, bro. And he usually does every time he has a drink. Yeah. Oh, all the time. It's one like it's. Uh, yeah, we've had some good times. It's uh, it's a funny time when he uh, when he has a drink. There's yeah, I could tell you some stories, but it's it's uh, probably for another day. That's for another episode. We're going to have to, when I'm down in Melbourne next, mate, we're catching up. We're bringing Scott with us for a beer. So I can oh, he's don't, yeah, he, he loves a beer. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, diving back into high school before we get into your adult life, tell us about an awkward moment, whether it's with a student, a teacher, or a circumstance that, that stands out to you the most. How did you handle it? And what was your initial response? Oh, man. There's so many. Tell us a particular moment that has stuck with you. Oh, I'm just trying to think. I mean, look, in, in um, pretty much from year 10, uh, no, year 9 to pretty much after I left school, I had a girlfriend. Um, so I think that girlfriend was about three years we were together. Um but it was on and off. And when I say on and off, like I mean on and off, like. Like a switch. Like a, like a switch. Like think of how many times you flicked the light on in your bedroom and that was my relationship with this girl. Yeah. Um, which is actually also a, like a little side note is, around, is the same around the time that I actually met Tay. All right. Yeah. So um, and like let me tell you, he did not like me when he met me. Well, they. Um, and just so everyone knows and everyone's clear, Tay is Detlin's best friend and business partner. Correct. Um, and he'll tell, he will tell everyone um, from when he met me. But basically, yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest moments was, was basically meeting, was meeting Tay pretty much. So Tay was a, was a skateboarder. Um, and the reason I met him is because one of my friends was a bit of a, bit of a fanboy of Tay because Tay was, you know, the older kid. Um, but also like a really good skateboarder. So Tay actually went pro, um, as a skateboarder. Um, and yeah, so all my friends were skaters and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, biggest moment for me in high school was probably sitting on the hill at the skate park at the local skate park crying. Cause my girlfriend had just broken up with me and you've got Tay but kept asking like my friends, why is the sook over there crying? <laughs> Oh man! And like in it's front, in front of out. everyone, man. Like in front, like this. This skate park was like packed. And that um, he's just rolling, yeah. He's just oh man. Um, thinking, who is this guy? 
Yeah, like and like to to be fair, fully agree. Like I'm at a local skate park, like in public, crying because my girlfriend, you know, doesn't love me or you know whatever it, you know whatever it is. Um, yeah, super funny, super funny. But um, obviously, you know, so many many years later, he's he's my best friend, and he, yeah, he's I'm I'm the godfather to his child, and he actually named that child after me. So obviously. You know, we've we've grown from from the skate park days. That you have, that you have. I know he's been a massive support for you as well throughout your journey. Let's talk a little bit more about 2022, the year that made broke and has redeveloped Detland today. So tell us about your experiences of taking the plunge from tradie Detlin to business owner Detlin. Yeah. Um... Yeah, pretty much at the end of last year, um, I made the very, very big decision that I was going to quit being a tradie and focus solely on running um, the tattoo business. Uh, basically, just yeah, we we had just moved shops. We had, and it was just you know, it was just getting crazy. Like there was just certain things that I couldn't do while working. Um, obviously, um, the beauty of of my biz of what I do now is, is I can run my business from my phone. But if, you know, if you're a tradie and I worked for someone, um, being on my phone all the time to do things can be, you know, not a good thing. Um, which I get, you know, I'm on his time. Um, but yeah, it was just getting too crazy for me, uh, running a business as well as, as being, being a tradie. Um, obviously I was plumbing, um, working between, you know, six to 12 hour days. Um, but also still trying to run a business. Um, and yeah, so at the end of last year, I gave my resignation. I worked the rest of that year and then pretty much uh, start of Jan, I was solely, um, employed, I suppose, by my business. Um, which was, yeah, as you know, you and I've spoke about heaps, um, it was, it's a big step. Um, it's a step that obviously we're all, whoever owns a business is working towards, but, um, yeah, took that plunge and, um, man, did it, um, did it, um, pose some roadblocks. That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. It, 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 it did. It created not a safe place for your mind. No. Well, I think, I think the thing that was so daunting, like, Tay had obviously been telling me, being like, man, we're making enough money. Um, like, just do it. Like, you need to do it. I suppose the big thing for me was it's so scary because you're like, man, like now I'm, you know, every, like for example, every, every Tuesday when I was plumbing, I was guaranteed my wage every yeah. Tuesday. Like, you know, didn't have to worry about it. I just went home, send in my times that I worked. And then that night I had money in my, my, my bank account. Um, then obviously leaving that you're actually the one sending the money into your own bank account. And then you're the one looking at what you've got in the bank going, man, is, is, do I have enough money to, to, to give myself and you know, all that you're now relying solely on the business, making the money to then pay you. Whereas when you're an employee, you don't even think about it. Like you don't even like think, where the money's coming from, as in, in the sense of like into the business bank account, you just know that on this day you're getting paid. Um, 
but yeah, like, you know, it was just such a, such a crazy experience at the very beginning. Obviously I'm a bit more used to it now, but like at the, at the beginning, I'm like, man, like, I hope I've got enough money to pay myself this week, or I hope we did well enough this week where I don't feel like, you know, I'm, I'm stealing my own money um, away from my business. Um, But yeah, it was, it's, that was, that was probably the hardest thing for me to, to, to actually take that plunge is that you look at it and you're like, man, we had such a good week this week, but what if next week is really bad? Yeah. But yeah, that was definitely um, my hardest, hardest to commit to actually quitting my regular, like, you know, my nine to five, so to speak. Yeah. And who could you talk to about your emotions and, and your feelings when it came to this? Because there was a lot going on in your life at the time. Was it anyone that you could rely on or someone that could like pick you back up when you're feeling low? Honestly, um, the only real person that truly I could speak to was, was you. Um, we, we spoke a lot about me taking that plunge after we did the original Wilder Hask podcast. Um, we obviously spoke a lot more after that. And yeah, you, you and I spoke about the, me taking that plunge a lot. Because obviously you you were in the same position as me, um, but yeah, because obviously as much as as Tay wanted me to take that plunge, he didn't fully understand how I was feeling about taking that plunge, and everyone else around me, like at the time, I had I had a, a different girlfriend who um, I didn't feel was fully supportive of me making that decision, because again, you're now relying on on um, it not failing basically because um, I no longer had much of a fallback um, where I, if I didn't get paid that week because we didn't make enough money that I had other money coming in. So I didn't felt super supported on, on that end. Um, Tay was obviously super supportive of me quitting my job and, and starting it, but did, but also didn't fully understand where I was coming from when I was like, I'm just, I'm just scared to do that. Yeah. So yeah, I guess um, the big, part of me who I could speak to was was speaking to you because you understood where I was coming from because you were also in the same in the same position man and I'm, I'm still in that same position it's a big decision to make and that's where I give you so much credit uh at the time I didn't realize the how hefty it was weighing on you um we, we had numerous conversations about it and most of it was me telling you how proud I was but to know the full dynamic, the, the dynamics between it now and like where it was at, I didn't have any idea. You you took it in your stride. You did not show any weakness, vulnerability. You just you took it all on. And I know it was a lot because it is such a decision. And for anyone out there that has a side hustle or a business still working full time and wanting to make that decision, I'm not one to tell you do it or not do it. It's something you need to talk about. You've got a partner, you've got a wife, you've got kids, you've got a mortgage, you've got responsibilities. Whoever you need to talk to that person or people around you that you trust, just open up, talk to them, become an open book because it is the hardest decision in your working career that you will make. But also I would add that um, take on the advice that you get around you, but also truly listen to yourself. Um in those moments, because as I said, like um, I I was speaking to my partner at the time about it. And to me, it didn't feel, it it didn't feel like positive conversations. Um, 
but it was something that I knew that I, I needed to do to progress in that business. Like the business was, wasn't going to grow anymore um, without me investing all of my time into it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for me, it's um, it needed to happen. Um, and I did, like I said, I spoke to you a lot about it and obviously the difference between you and I is you had a lot more responsibility and still do um, behind you because if you don't get paid, you know, we know, you know, your, your wife is super busy. You've got three kids, you've got a house being built, all of that stuff. Whereas I didn't have any of that. Um, so I feel like it was a lot easier for me to just do it. But, um, but yeah, man, like I, I definitely speak to those around you, but also don't, don't let them make the decision for you. I love that. That's great advice. I love it. Well, you know, sometimes I'm a wise man, not always, but in some <laughs> moments I can be all right. It's true though. You you got to listen to your own heartbeat. You got to go with your own gut feeling. Uh, and 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 you know that's why I said to you, man, how proud of you, the person that you are, the person that you've become. Because it's a massive growing phase. It is that leap in faith, and then it is it's do or die. You know, you got to kick into gear and say, all right, I need to make this work. I need. I need to do this. I need to do that. And you start ticking stuff off your own bucket list that you know needs to be done and, pro, pro, you know, putting things first, putting things And you've done that with – I'm not going to say done it with ease because it's not easy, but you've done it so well. And the whole reason when I started the Anti-Bully Club, this podcast, I mentioned it to you and you, you, you just said, I want to be a part of it. Like, dude, fucking let's do it. It was like – a massive moment for me because you have that drive in that a lot of people do not have. It's a very rare drive to have. And if you're one of those people there that have that drive, you know that you can make something work, have a listen to this podcast again because it can work and you can do it, but it does not come with ease. And that's where Devlin's coming out at the moment. Uh, 2022, as much as it's been a magical year for you, it has been one, you've, you've said it to me out loud plenty of times. It's been one of the hardest years that you've gone through. Well, yeah. And, and you know what, on top of that is just because you've taken the plunge does not mean it's going to work. Like you, like you're going to fail, but try to fail gracefully. As you said that I've done, I, I guess is that whilst this year has been super hard, you just sort of take the blows and you push forward. You're like, yep, that didn't work or this hasn't worked out for us, but what are we going to do to make sure that doesn't happen again? Or because you know what, like I have very, very little experience of running my own business up until like up until running this one and obviously like helping like grow others and, and getting, being a part of other businesses now, realistically, like, I just went, oh, this is something that I want to do. This is something that I've always wanted to do. If I don't do it now, I might not do it later. Um, so, yeah, like you, if, you, if you're going to fail, like not every, like, you know, my partner has said to me um, only recently because we've talked about obviously how our years have been. Um, it, not every year is going to be a good one. Like, you know what, next year might be my year, but you know what, 2024 might suck again. Um we might have a good five years and then have a have a crappy six year. You know, it's not um, it's not guaranteed to work just because you are putting in all this effort. That's right. Um, it's the way you pick yourself up. It's the people you surround yourself with, and your own mindset. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
and as I said, I think the biggest advice I'd give anyone who wants to take the plunge or is is going through hard times because of the plunge that they've taken is is still listen to yourself and still be- like truly believe that you can make it happen because just because you're giving 100% effort and it's not working doesn't – like if you're giving no effort, it's definitely not going to work. But if you're giving 100%, it's more like it's you've got a better chance. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah, like that's that's probably the biggest thing I would say. Like definitely surround yourself with good people, ask questions and get advice, but don't always listen to the advice they're necessarily giving you because sometimes it's it's shit advice. Like realistically, like like I said, I was I was talking to a partner who didn't believe in in my decision. Um, I felt. Um, I did it anyway. And yes, whilst this year has had its rough spots at the end of the day, like we're talking right now and my business is still going and we're already planning for next year. So it's, it might've just because we didn't necessarily succeed. I don't consider this year a necessary failure because we've still, to me, um, Tay and I have still come out on top. Oh dude, you have, what did you just win? Tell everyone about a tattoo expedition that you just <laughs> oh, come on. Yes. Yes. Uh, we just did the Melbourne expo back in early December and Tay and I decided that it was, we weren't going usually for Melbourne. We have a pretty big booth, but um, this year we only had four artists. So Tay being one of them and then three of the people who work for us. And we thought, you know what, let's go all out. Let's make it look you know, really good. Um, and we actually received the award for best booth in the whole Tattoo Expo. So that was really cool for us. Um, got our, ourselves a little trophy, um, which is now hanging somewhere in our shop. Um, so if you come down and check it out, you'll also get to see that trophy. That's dead one tattoos, guys. And, oh, man, I, I need to get tattooed from one of the artists. We've been talking about it for ages. I still, my younger son, his name's Woods Hawk, and I just need a hawk tattooed on my leg where I've got my other kids because he's the only son that I have not gone back and got tattooed. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older and it's like a tattoo freaking hurts. So. Dude, tattoos suck. I hate I, getting tattooed. Definitely get an age thing, man. The older you get, the worse it gets. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. It's like massive anxiety, but... Next time in Melbourne, you, I know you've you've sent me a few different artists that um, that you've said would do a good job for what I sort of envision, and I've just got to get it done. I've just got to come down. So and then under that, that's port, getting port, port, done. Like, Premiers twenty twenty three. Oh man, in your dreams, two thousand twenty five could be a chance. But we do. We need to do a photo shoot. There's so many things that we need to do together. Yeah, and number one is just catch up and have a beer and and, and have a good old laugh. But we've 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 come so far. From when we first met, and I know that we've spoken about James together, but we've never actually mentioned him on the podcast. The whole reason Detlin got involved with anything that I was doing, uh, my man James over in the UK, he was running a little. Uh, I don't know if he's doing it at the moment, so I don't want to speculate too much about what he's doing because I know that he's doing a barbering course, but. He was running like an agency that put on influencers or people that wanted to get into that field. And I think you're one of his first clients, including Jackson um, here in Australia. And he got us in touch. He's the one that sort of set this all up. And, and here we are today from, from that little uh, interaction. 
And I remember the first time I called you, we're on the phone for about half an hour and you were just all out. You're like, yep, yep, your vision's great. This is what I want to be doing. It was just everything was so straightforward. I mean, I think within the week you had the watch and, and a T-shirt. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I remember that conversation like it was yesterday. It was so – I remember the – like you were like, yeah, man, I'm going to – like what's your number? I'm going to give you a call in – 10, 15 minutes um, and we're just going to chat about like, you know, what we're going to do, how we're going to work together and so on and so forth. I remember sitting looking at my phone for 10 to 15 minutes waiting for that call being like, I'm so fucking nervous. Like I'm so scared because like this was the first like higher end brand that I was ever going to be working with. Um, You know, like it was just, I was like, man, like why would he want like, because I remember, um, having that conversation with James being like, right, I'm going to start contacting um, like brands about you. And I've obviously got photos of you and all that sort of stuff. And I remember he didn't even tell me who um, had, had given the all clear, but I remember him like within like 10, 15 minutes of us having that conversation, he was like, yep, I've, I've actually got a brand who's keen to work with you. And I was like, Oh sweet. Like I can't wait to hear about it being like, it'll be just like, uh, to me, it'll be just a, a, a starting up brand or something like that. Cause Obviously, I'm just starting out in modeling. Um, and then I remember um, like the Wilder House brand following me on Instagram. And I, like a few days prior, had been scrolling through the Wilder House Instagram because James had posted a photo repping the stuff. So I was like scrolling the Instagram, being like, man, like this brand's sick. Like I love their watches, their clothing's cool. Like this is so cool. Um, and then, yeah, like you guys followed me and I was like, holy shit, is it, this, this isn't the brand that wants to work with me. And then, yeah, you messaged me on Instagram be like, Hey man, I'm going to call you in 10, 15 minutes. Let's have a chat. And I was like, Oh fuck, this is going to be, this is going to be terrifying. Like hopefully I sound cool and you know, all that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, like I said, a few years down the track and I just did, uh, a new photo shoot for, um, for Zoe's uh new design for the for the brand and uh they're actually they're actually my favorite photos i think i've ever done for any brand (laughs) they're my favorite photos in general um i gotta work with jordan he does some clean shots i I can't wait to come down and catch up with you guys but yeah it it was a bit of i'm not gonna say a fairy tale but it was it was so looking back and reflecting on everything man it was meant to be he he just aligned everything and and the person you are I love connecting with people. I love getting to know with people that want to, you know, get involved with a brand or they want to become a model or an ambassador or someone to, you know, collaborate with whatever the reason might be. If they have the right heart, the right goal, and it, and it in lines with what I'm seeing and envisioning, it just makes total sense to work with people that are like-minded. And the, the chat that we had, I don't think it went any longer than half an hour. I was sold. I just thought, man, this guy's cool. Let's get this happening. It doesn't matter about the experience. It matters about the person and the individuals. And that's why I honestly think everyone has an imperfection. Everyone has something that they're not happy about. And if you're happy to showcase that, man, that is what a brand is looking for. That's what I'm looking for. If you're happy to just be your authentic self and just so showcase you for being you, I am all about that. And that's the reason that I'm starting to open up and starting to tell people about my own experiences, my own stories. Um, it's the reason I've started the Anti-Bully Club, you know, because of what's happened in my life and, and now my kids' lives. And 
yeah, meeting you, Detlin, is one of the best things that's happened and getting you on board, not just, you know, doing a collaboration with Wilder Hask, but to get you on board this podcast and have you as a co-host, it's just amazing. And I honestly see that 2023, it's not going to be an easy year, but it's going to be one of those years that we're going to look back on and say that's the year that made us the people that we are today, um, including 2022. So, man, massive credit. Thank you so much for being one of my best mates. And, yeah, I do, man. I appreciate you tremendously. Oh, and the same goes here, man. Like, it's uh, it's funny because I actually only just looked at the first photo shoot I ever did for, for Wild House the other day. And... Um, yeah, I, I actually remember sending you the photos and you being like, man, like, this is amazing. Like, this is everything I dreamed of. And I I just remember being so chuffed with that. Um, and, yeah, like I said, we've created such a cool friendship. And, like I said, we're, we're, you're one of my best mates. I speak to you almost every day, um, whether that be on the phone or, or through Messenger or text message or whatever. Um but yeah, obviously your support's been amazing, especially for, for my modeling. Um, you're the one who gave me my chance and it's look what it's done. It's done some cool things for me. And if I, man, I appreciate you saying that I'm a bit lost for words because for, for me person as a brand, you're, you are the reason I got into this space. I didn't get into it because I wanted to make a lot of money or because I wanted the name out there. When I started it, main reason, my grandfather, his legacy, what what he had taught me, I wanted to have something that I could always remember him with. Having kids, I wanted to have something that they'll be proud of, a name that they could establish themselves with that, that, that I've created or I've done. And then people that are willing or more than happy to work with us and the vision that I have and then to put their own spin onto the things that I want to do and achieve and have them to be a part of that and share that with them. It's, it's, it's all that I've thought about over the last nearly four years now. And it's taken me to this whole new level, including what we're doing now. So, you know, in all honesty, man, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for people like you. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, basically. So, dude, honestly, you did a lot more for me than what you did for me than you will ever, ever know. Oh, well, I, you know, again, I appreciate that, man. And and, uh, and like I said, yeah, the same goes because I now get to take some cool photos of myself and that I can post to Instagram because of you. So, um, yeah, and hopefully that continues in the new year. And hopefully we can uh, get a few shoots together because uh, every time you're like, oh, I'm planning a shoot, I'm like, man, I'm always busy. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And every time I go to Melbourne or, or Geelong, uh, I'm always tied up with family. So we're definitely going to dedicate some self. Uh, this is a promise. This podcast, episode 10, Detlin and I, we're finally going to make some time together to catch up. The YouTube channel that we've spoken about is finally going to be coming out. And look, guys, in all honesty, April, May is kind of the timeline I'm looking at. By the time you see a live YouTube channel, it might be June or July, but there is a YouTube channel coming out in 2023 and a lot more uh, behind the scenes that's happening here at the Annie Bully Club uh, and Deadmine and Wilder House. We've, we've got some big things in the works. This has been my favourite episode to date. I really think that when we get to do an honest podcast, whether it's yourself or I or, or a guest that is quite special to one of us, it could be a family member, um, we'll hold these for episode 10, episode 20 uh, and so on and so forth. So 
Detlin, it's been a pleasure. I'm sure we're going to do another podcast that's dedicated to you down the track. But uh, for everyone that's listening, I hope you get more, a bit more of an understanding about who we are and, and the way that we're brought up. Any last words from you? Uh, honestly, man, I just, yeah, thanks to everyone who is going to listen to this podcast. Um, hopefully, uh, whoever needs to hear the, like, you know, the stuff about business, um, takes it on board. And obviously my messages are always open to people who want to talk about that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, obviously thank you to everyone. And obviously thank you to you as well, Dan. Um, I'm keen to do yours in potentially 10 more episodes time. What a milestone for us. Yeah. Definitely, dude. I think I think every milestone, every you know stage that we get, we'll get a special guest on. Whether it's you or I, episode twenty, that's my episode. You know, I've got to learn to open up. I've got to learn to be more vulnerable. It's one of those things that I'm really trying to do. And even listening to the way that you spoke today is giving me massive inspiration to be able to do it. So, um, for everyone, I hope 2022 has been a massive learning curve, a massive learning experience, something that you can take into 2023 with some ambition, some goals. I know that it's definitely given Detlin and I some drive. Um, So have a great New Year's. Hope you had a great Christmas. And that's from me. I'm out. Peace. Yes, and thank you.